0: Hello and welcome to A History of Christian Theology. My name is Chad Kim. With me this week, I will be talking with Hannah Nation uh, about a book she has edited called Faithful Disobedience, Writings on Church and State from a Chinese House Church Movement. Um, And this book largely follows the theology and writings of a pastor from China uh, called Wang Yi. Um, And it was a great pleasure to get to talk with Hannah about this book. Um, She has been on before. um, And we talked a little bit about another book that she edited of sermons from China um, during COVID and she mentioned that this book was going to be coming out soon i was very excited to get a copy um so we thank uh, we're grateful to um intervarsity press Ivy press academic uh for sending us an advanced copy um and so i was able to read through that and uh talk with hannah about Early reign Church, uh, which is where Yang, Wang Yi was a pastor for many years uh, before he was taken into prison. And so we talk a little bit about the history of Christianity in China, a little bit about Wang Yi's life, um, where he is now, which is still in prison, um, but also just a little bit about uh, what what he has to say um, to help us understand the persecution that Christians undergo um, in China um, and and how that uh, could could even sort of encourage or challenge us as Christians in places where we don't face the kind of persecution uh, that, that other Christians do and also help us uh, have a sense of how to pray for people uh, like Wang, Wang Yi and his church in China. So um, so really appreciate uh, Hannah Nation for coming on again and editing this very powerful and fascinating book of uh, writings related to Wang Yi. Um, I also wanted to say thank you to several people who have written in recently uh, to our uh, and, and given us comments on um, iTunes. Um, someone, uh, Livallen76, says, thank you for all your hard work and great conversations. I love the way this podcast is presented. It's not just like being in a classroom. Um, but it's also not preachy, and and she feels like it's very, or this person feels like it's very filled with knowledge. Um, We're also grateful to New Rel, uh, who wrote in that that they've been listening to this um, from the beginning, somewhere in 2020, and they've still uh, lots of podcasts to get current, but it's been very enlightening and helpful um, since they don't have as much time to read all these thinkers, and so... Uh, so just want to say thank you to those of you who have rated and reviewed us on iTunes. Um, it does help people find the podcast and it's great to know what you all uh, appreciate. Um, and I also want to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, it's because of them that we're able to host this podcast at Podomatic and keep our full back catalog of episodes available. Um, so if you have been supporting us, um, just know that, that that support is what makes possible for um, the all these episodes to be made available Um, so if you if you want to contribute to that uh, you can support us on patreon.com I'll put a link in the show notes um, and uh, yeah just appreciate uh, appreciate all the support um, hearing from you all it's great to know uh, what kind of stuff that you are enjoying and find beneficial Uh, so without further ado here's my conversation with Hannah Nation this week on uh, A History of Christian Theology... This week, I don't know. I release these like once or twice a month. Uh, in this episode <laughs> today, uh, I have Hannah Nation. Um, and for those who have listened uh, more regularly to the podcast, you might remember that we had Hannah on before. Um, and she was uh, has done some work on... Uh, well, she's the managing director of... Uh, oh, shoot.
1: The Center uh, for House Church Theology. The
0: Center for... Okay, and you guys recently changed your name too, or something, right? I think there was another.
1: Yeah, I'm a, so on. I'm with two different organizations. One is China Partnership, and the other oh, okay. is the Center for House Church Theology. So
0: okay, um, and last time we talked a little bit about COVID and about pastors. Uh, and their sermons that they were giving during COVID. And all of those guys, uh, as I recall, were from the sort of broader house church movement. Um, and and today we're going to kind of dig into uh, one specific pastor uh, who's also part of this uh, house church movement in China. Uh, his name's Wang Yi, uh, but the book is called Faithful Disobedience, Writings on Church and State from a Chinese House Church Movement. Um, and Hannah is the editor um but but the the primary uh kind of author is Wang Yi although there are a few other people um it's not just Wang Yi
1: correct correct
0: um so and this is with uh, IV press i think last time it was maybe Lexum right
1: mm-hmm. correct yeah
0: yeah um, well very good. I'm I was very excited about this book because uh I'm I sort of became you know the idea of of hearing from a pastor who is currently in prison uh for his faith and a kind of modern day uh, you know someone who's suffering modern day persecution in a very intense way uh, you know it was just it seemed like it was very prescient um, and some online discourse uh, uh, about Christian nationalism and other kinds of like ways that Christians in the um, in the United States are trying to handle this question of the relationship of of the church and the state uh, mm-hmm. it seemed like it could be helpful to have a voice uh, that's that's very different so I don't I don't mean to color this whole conversation conversation with contemporary things that we're dealing with in the U S maybe. but I, but I just found it very refreshing because this guy, uh, takes a very bold, uh, and faithful stand for, uh, for Christ and, and is suffering for it. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, it was, uh, it was very interesting and I feel like I, you know, have a whole new perspective on, uh, you know, just what it's like to be a Christian in China. Um, so, so who is, yeah, please respond. Yeah.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I, I don't think it's out of line at all to, um, for this book to bring to mind a lot of the conversations around nationalism um, in the Western world today, in the Nor- North America and the United States. Um I, I mean, for sure, as I worked on the book and all those conversations started to rise, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it. I would say Wang Yi's writings have definitely been shaping a lot of my own thoughts and observations on the debates taking place in the U.S. right now. So I don't, yeah, I think you're you're spot on <laughs> with that. I don't think it's um, a weird connection to make at all.
0: Yeah well I I sort of I guess I I was just worried that uh we may sort of let that color like I wanted his voice yeah. to speak yes. you yeah. know uh, as the main contributor and uh, but anyway yeah it, but it's it's hard not to have that stuff in the in the background Yeah um Also, I mean, you know, we'll get into this, but he's also Calvinist and Presbyterian and, you know, there's some of those connections and Mm -hmm. yes, just a lot of interesting things to think about. But but so who is uh, Wang Yi? Can you tell us a little bit about him uh, before we kind of get into some of his thought and ideas?
1: Yeah. So um, he is probably one of the most well-known house church pastors, um, kind of urban contemporary house church pastors um, in China today. Um, he's from Chengdu in Sichuan province, which is the Southwest of China. Um, so, you know, he's, he's not right on the coast where a lot of, you know, the, the largest house churches have been, um, he and his church are further inland, um, He was, before his conversion to Christianity, um, he was already a very notable figure kind of in the landscape of of Chinese intellectuals, especially um, uh, like traditional liberal intellectuals, um, human rights advocates in China. Um, He was an avid blogger. Um, One of the things that he was most well known for was um, actually movie reviews and uh Mm -hmm. kind of uh film criticism um and one thing i've i've been uh learning more and more about recently is as he is a poet and Mm -hmm. um many of those who know him very well um tell me that he could have been um a remarkable poet uh, an extra like a very very well-known and famous poet (laughs) but those are not things that he he ended up pursuing um although he does write a lot of poetry kind of on the side um i i am not good at understanding chinese poetry my language level is is not that high but any anyone i know who um can really engage Chinese poetry whenever his stuff is read. They all just are like, oh, it's so good. It's just amazing. <laughs> so, kind of a fun little tidbit about him. Um, but so he um, converted to Christianity and he he very quickly began pastoring. Um, it, it was kind of a just a very quick and rapid change in his life. And he um, was involved in forming a church called Early Rain. Um, It went through a couple of different variations of that name, but the most recent name is Early Rain Covenant Church. Um, And that church grew very quickly. um, By 2018, when he was arrested, Um, Early Rain had probably around 600 people attending on an average Sunday, around 500 members, active members, um, and had planted many churches, um, not only across Chengdu, but other parts of uh, Sichuan as well. So very large church, very active, not what most people will think of when they think of the house church. Um, They owned property. They owned a couple floors of uh, an office building and um, had a very large uh, theological library. Um, they were getting involved in things like Christian education. Um, so just kind of this um, just very robust expression of a Christian community and a lot of the things that are traditionally associated with faith communities. Um Wang Yi never stopped writing um or speaking publicly. He's always been a very vocal voice. Um, he's also um been involved internationally in different things. He came uh, to the US and he actually met um George Bush um as kind of a representative of the House Churches in China. Um and so as you can imagine um, you know, (laughs) to some extent, perhaps a conflict with uh, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party was Mm -hmm. inevitable. Um, I think by 2018, um, after the new religious regulations were put into place, um, he very much knew he was headed for probably a substantial arrest um, and some form of incarceration. But I think it's safe to say uh, neither he nor anyone at the church really anticipated um, just the extent of what ended up happening. So in December of 2018, um, he was arrested. Um, All of the church leadership, the entirety of the church leadership was arrested. His wife was arrested. and. Over the following days, the entirety of the church's property was confiscated or destroyed. All of their assets were seized. Um, and then essentially over the course of the following weeks, roughly half of early Rain's members um, were either detained or arrested or harassed or interfered with in some way some quite uh violently some um you know a a bit more casually um but but their church you know they they seek to continue to have a church identity but um in many ways it's safe to say that um that was a very effective um you know closure of that church and um You know interference of that church. Wang Yi was um, sentenced a year later to nine years in jail for subversion of the state, which is a political sentence. Um, It is. I've. I there's a reporter um, who has said it is the harshest sentence given to a house church pastor um, in recent decades, and and I have no reason to doubt that. So. Um, obviously it's one. it, I wouldn't say it's one of, I would say it is the most intense, <laughs> um, example of persecution of a church, um, in, you know, recent decades within China. Um, so yeah, he's, he's still in jail. Um, his wife is no longer in jail, but she is under house arrest. Um, and, yeah we we pray for him and and pray for his perseverance in the circumstances that he's in
0: yeah wow (laughs) such a uh an intense story i mean you know and there, there are lots of questions um i just um you know I'm I'm trying to think of where to go first. One of the things that I wanted to know about, sort of his background, uh, was you know he, uh, as you say, he is eloquent, um, so you can tell that he kind of has that literary background. Mm. uh, But where did he get his kind of theological education? Like it seems like you know he references Calvin, he references Westminster Confession. At one point, Plato's Republic, um, you know, bro- that's sort of broader, but, um, you know, it seems to have a pretty solid grasp of of theology. And he is a, and not only does he have a solid grasp of it, he's very convicted about it. So, you know, it's kind of it's mm-hmm. almost it was almost surprising how recent his conversion was uh, mm-hmm. before he was arrested. So, you know, it was something like 13 years, 12 years mm-hmm. between like starting this church uh, mm-hmm. in a place that's evidently hostile to Christians um, and really flowering and growing um and then yeah to end up in in prison for it so yeah anything about like how did he just yeah. is it all private study
1: um more or less yeah he um so he was trained as a legal scholar um in the chinese like university system yeah um so um that would be his formal education background um um, and then, but he he did not attend a uh, seminary. Um, he is not, um, you know, formally trained in that regard. Um, but you know, as you know, he's has a very sharp mind. He's an avid reader, um, and essentially. Uh, you know, just (laughs) to some degree has self-educated, um, Mm -hmm. on all of these theological topics. And, and I think that is, you know, his church, um, as I mentioned, they had a a very large theological library. I, I can't remember how many books, um, were taken from it, were seized from it, but it was in the thousands. Um, so this was definitely a value, um, I will say, so he, not initially, um, you know, not at his the point of his conversion, not when the church was planted, but um, over that kind of 12, 13 year uh, period that you brought up, um, the church per- became essentially a Presbyterian church um, in polity. And um, so, as you've noted, he, he definitely was very much influenced by um, Calvinism and the Calvinistic traditions, and even so far as just, you know, church polity bringing early reign into a Presbyterian polity. So,
0: And as I recall from our previous conversation, um, there's uh, that, that, you know, a lot of the house churches have a kind of broader Reformed perspective, uh, but they but maybe they don't all have a Presbyterian polity.
1: Yeah, that's uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so I would say, um, kind of a a very broad um, reformed perspective is on the rise within Chinese house churches, particularly urban house churches. I wouldn't say it's a majority of house churches at this point, but it, okay. it would be one of the it would probably be the most rapidly growing trend in the house churches. Um, and then, kind of within that subset, um, there are some churches that are going as far as to adopt a Presbyterian um, polity. So um, he would definitely be on kind of the far spectrum, the far end of a spectrum, if you wanted, um, in terms of just church organization and his ecclesiology. Um, it's definitely not a majority of house churches that would um, have adopted those those forms of church government as well. Um, but he's a very influential voice and early reign is a very influential church as you can imagine, also controversial because um, not everyone (laughs) agrees with um, Presbyterianism or um, Reformed theology. And um, so, uh, you know, he's very well known, but, um, and very influential, but not necessarily widely embraced in his views on everything. So,
0: well, and, and one of the things that you note in some of his writings, even some of his letters, he seems to have in mind not only just like a broad readership, but like other people within the house church movement. Like, you know, he's sort of putting yeah. his mark on, uh, you know, where the direction he thinks that they should head, which mm-hmm. to some extent raises another question. Again, I think we briefly covered this in the last uh, episode, but if we, you know, um, one of the main things that it seems like he wants to get across here is both the importance of calling it a house church. He talks a lot about that sort of history um, that, that he feels is very important. Uh, but but that it, you know has to be kind of contrasted with, and part of the explanation for, I, as I understand it, his arrest, which is his rejection of the state-sponsored three-self movement. Um, so I know that there's a long uh, history, and a lot of that is covered in the book but any kind of quick hits, like, so how that kind of shapes his own uh, perspective. And then, like I say, I think it also kind of gives some explanation for uh, his, his arrest.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. Well, the whole um, house church versus three self church, that could be a whole podcast episode (laughs) on its own. It's a long topic. Um, yeah. and probably the best way to dive into much of the house church perspective on it is to just buy the book and read what yeah, he has to say on it. Um, but, but essentially, um, Wang Yi and particularly two other very influential house church pastors from Beijing, um, Jin Tianming and Jin um, um, they're very invested in this idea that the house churches need to know their history and they need to see themselves as having an a common identity um kind of in contrast to the three self church that involves their history and i mean this is i think this is to me one of the most fascinating questions uh just about the house churches in china and their conflict with not only the state, but the three self church is just, you know, does history matter and how does it Mm -hmm. matter, you know, and um, how do our interpretations of that history continue to shape uh, ecclesiological identities? So, um, but basically the house churches contend that much of the, um, The persecution that they have faced has been um, to some degree at the hands of the Three-Self Church um, and uh, for sure involves um, an inability and an unwillingness to recognize a governing authority's um, religious oversight of the church. And of course, you know, the Three-Self Church has responses to those things. And this is a long, ongoing debate within Chinese Christianity. Um, But I I do think especially the first third of the book, which is um, it's called Our House Church Manifesto, and and it was essentially a small manifesto booklet that Wang Yi compiled in cooperation with these pastors from Beijing. You know they they want the house churches to have uh, to be seen as a spiritual tradition, I think, or or a church tradition, um, which I think is a question we really need to think through more. Um, It's not if you if you look at a lot of Chinese or scholarship on the Chinese churches and literature, um, this is not an idea that the western academy has has really latched on to um but i think especially given um these very prominent house church pastors making such forceful arguments on this topic um i think there's a need to better look at this question of you know is the house church a tradition is there a spiritual tradition there at this point um that kind of goes beyond (laughs) just uh, an administrative kind of uh, government, political, legal question, um, but goes to a more of a spiritual question.
0: And and one way I feel like maybe, I don't remember if it was actually in your essay or just kind of, I think it was in your essay, you brought this up a little bit, but one thing that you can see within his kind of, at least Wang Yi and then the the broader uh, writers of this manifesto, you you get like you know you do get a sense of sort of a connection to uh, reformed Presbyterian theology, but almost an Anabaptist separation. Yeah. Um, and so, so there's you know I guess to some extent is that one way that you would characterize what makes it its own unique tradition because um, we don't see a very I mean, I, I couldn't, I don't know that I could name someone who I call Presbyterian in polity, but Anabaptist right. <laughs> in, life yeah. of the state. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, that, you know, that gets really theological, maybe less spiritual. I don't, you know, I don't know, depending on how we want to use those words. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that like, is that what makes it a unique tradition? Are there other things that you are like thinking about as, as its own kind of tradition?
1: Well, I think, um, those things definitely are at play. Um, so as i as I said, you know, Wangi's on a pretty far end of a spectrum in terms of adopting certain polities and systematic theologies. The guys in Beijing in the book, um, I would say they're very representative of the kind of rise of a broad reform perspective without, you know, they're still very, much in a non-denominational uh, you know, very um, kind of uh, broadly more broadly Chinese house church identity. Um, but I, so so but I think some of the things that they pick up on at the beginning of the book that they feel like are markers of a house church tradition are things like, um, Piety. So the spiritual disciplines are very important among all house churches, whether they skew reformed or not. Um, The practices of prayer and of fasting and, um, you know, a lot of the spiritual disciplines are very present and very, very important in all of these different um, stripes of the house church. They also... Uh, Talk about um, the way of the cross and just our ideas of suffering and um, what our union with Christ requires of us in terms of suffering with Christ. And they point to that as a common trait in this house church tradition that they're looking at. Um, but then, yeah, a, a very much a very um, anabaptistic almost um, perspective on the church's relationship to the state. And um, so I, I think you're you're right that it's I, I have a hard time thinking of someone that really is a good correlation outside of the Chinese um, context. And I think that's one reason why it's so fascinating and also why it's so important to hear. Um, because it is, I, in my opinion, a very um, new uh, perspective uh, and one that should be considered uh, not just within the Chinese context but in other contexts as well. Um, I think it's very interesting the way um, this, you know, very systematically reformed theology um, is combining with a a very, um, you know, almost Anabaptistic um, perspective on the the church and the state. Um, so, I think we're there. Are I, I really? Um, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, a really, really solid like Kuiper scholar <laughs> would pick up this book and and engage it and write something about it, um, because I just would love to hear that perspective. You know, hear someone engage um, what Wang Yi is saying and and the way he blends these two very disparate perspectives together. So
0: yeah. Well, I had a quote. I, I was just rereading some stuff this morning. He says on – like it's like page 28 in the Why We Are a House Church, uh, just um, this the starkness of this kind of position. Religious matters never belong to my country, China, nor do they belong to the United States. Oh, just above that. Sorry. We do not accept interference in religious freedom by an atheistic political party's religious affairs bureau. We do not accept the notion of the Lord's Church submitting to a managerial po- a, department we do not accept religious affairs as a function of the government in other words religious matters never belong to my country china nor do they belong to the united states nor africa south africa real religion godliness belongs to christ belongs to the world and belongs to the conscience of every believer. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, it does get that kind of, uh, you know, how stark he sees these uh, things. And, and I mean, I guess, you know, pr- to some extent, right, like, you know, this is one thing that systematic theologians don't always acknowledge, I guess, or maybe they're coming to more, but the fact that our theologies come from a situation, you mm-hmm. know, all theology yeah. has a kind of context, um, and and we shouldn't ignore that. So, you know, I think probably some reason why there, it's harder to find a Presbyterian uh, who thinks this way about the church state relation is there haven't been as many yeah. Presbyterians <laughs> in the kind of context like he's in. Yeah. Um, and so you, you have to you know you have to look at the world based on that and I, I understand why he doesn't want um, you know the government di- dictating I guess in one of the uh, the three self churches it seems like there's the government gets to appoint certain people um, in the hierarchy. Um, of of their organizational structures, uh, which reminded me, and this was a question I was going to ask you, uh, but about you know the recent settlement between the Catholic Church um, and the Communist Party, I think they get to approve or disapprove of certain bishop choices, and that was a big. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, controversial mm-hmm. move uh mm-hmm. by the 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 current pope. Uh, but it you know it seems like maybe even Catholicism is going more towards the three self uh kind of integration uh with the government, whereas you know Wong, uh, Wang Yi and and maybe some others in this movement are just radically opposed to having the government involved in that at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I you know, it it would have been very interesting to be able to get Wang Yi's opinion on um, the agreements that the Catholic Church, you know, made. I believe this happened after his arrest. Um, So, you know, I I, because um, essentially until those agreements were made, um, a lot of the positions of the Catholic Church would have been very similar um, and their unwillingness to um, uh, comply or to integrate with uh, the the religious uh, structures for oversight in China, um, and so that was a it was a huge. I mean, the the agreements um, between the CCP and the and the Catholic Church that was a huge huge shift in um, their way of addressing these issues. So. But yeah, I mean I I think that um yeah, he's yeah, unbending is probably a really good way <laughs> to put it. So <laughs> uh very unbending. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and one other thing I'll just to stick on i'm I'm curious about the sort of yeah, like you say, thinking that of the house church as a tradition, one of the questions like uh, uh i'm I think a lot about ecclesiology lately, and we've dealt with it in a few ways, but one other way that that I feel like I'm trying to remember exactly where he says it, but he talks about the importance of not being alone mm-hmm. um in this and so mm-hmm. so he also sees the you know the, the ecclesiology isn't just in the face of the state or isn't just um, you know, a question of, um, of, of how does one, you know, the polity, but it's also what it means for a believer to be with other believers. And he's, he has a very, um, And and it's sort of a rejection of kind of a liberal individualist um, mindset as well. And wants to see uh, not only unity with Christ, but unity with one another um, in Christ. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, maybe is is that another part of this kind of tradition is how, you know, how important he sees the, um, yeah, that bond between believers.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I I think that... um... This is. I, I often ask myself, you know, how much is this um, arising out of just a more communal uh, worldview, you know, as a as as an Asian, um, and how much is this coming from, you know, a kind of theological conviction? But you know, I think in the end you, that you can't separate the two. Um, w- All of the house churches I know and all of the Chinese Christians I know really um, they they rarely think about these matters in terms of an individualistic I and they really think about this as a much more collective um, we and so the question of, you know, religious freedom or persecution is not so much about an individual's, um, persecution or an individual's conflict with the state. Um, but it really is about the Christian identity in the, in the, um, collective sense as the church. And I mean, this, this is just so much the, (laughs) it's so foundational to so much of their theological perspective that it's, it's there in everything. And when you're reading it, it's hard not to see it, but you know, they, they really are very focused on um, just what the church, both what the church offers to Chinese society as a body, but also how the point of conflict is the church. It's not what an individual Mm -hmm. believes Um, the conflict between or the conflict with the CCP is over um, a group identity um, that isn't under the oversight of the government. And so, yeah, I mean, for sure, just the, the, the idea of our unity with other Christians, the idea that we cannot do this alone, we ought not to do it alone, um, is, on every page, <laughs> I think, of what Wang Yi is writing. Um, and he's very, and, and not only individual congregations, but this also is so much of why he's concerned, I think, about um, instilling a house church identity or, or kind of a tradition idea, an idea of a tradition um, among the house churches, because he really believes that um, they are called to be corporately united with each other, um, even if they don't agree on all these things. Um, they are, as the church in China, bound together, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, fulfill the kingdom. They are the kingdom when they see that and they understand that. So,
0: Yeah. Well, and I guess that, like you say, that kind of leads uh, – we can kind of move a little bit closer to his uh, – thinking about his arrest and how he understands persecution, which I also think uh, is such a, a moving testimony, um, But, but I was just thinking that – when uh you know one of the things like we call it a house church and i think you've said this but it's almost misleading because sometimes Mm -hmm. that might sound like it's underground but one of the things that he's very you know you talked about the church buildings and the libraries and you know but he and he talks a lot about the visibility of the church and so he wants and and speaking of like individualism he also rejects the idea of like you know his persecution has to do with individual rights or human mm-hmm, rights mm-hmm, so he mm-hmm. he writes a manifesto just before like is it months before he's arrested in october, uh, i think i mean or at least yeah, i mean yeah. like less than a year yeah he uh, wrote
1: my declaration it's called my declaration of Fa- of faithful disobedience um it's where the title for the book comes from he wrote it in yeah. october he was arrested in december and okay. his direction was to release it publicly if he was held for more than forty eight hours so uh-huh.
0: and and in that he he very explicitly says, I think that the Chinese government is not in keeping with their own legal traditions. And he kind of he has sort of like some legal things that he mentions. But on the whole, he says, I want this to be about the visibility of the church. I want this to be about how China is responding to the broader house churches. It's not about me. It's not about my individual rights or human mm-hmm. rights or, mm-hmm. you know, I, which I, th- I found uh, refreshing. And again, also kind of interesting. Uh, refreshing is not the right word. Um, but I found it uh, compelling <laughs> yeah. um, because he was because he he is very aware of that. Right. So you're talking about in his background as a legal scholar, like he he also knows that he could fight this legally, but he's very cognizant and very deliberate about separating those things out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's always that question is really interesting. I've had a lot of people ask me, because he makes this statement where in that declaration where he says, I'm not fighting for personal rights. And I've had people yeah, say yeah. to me, do you actually believe, like, do you believe him on that? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. is he really not fighting for human rights? Or is this just a rhetorical statement that he makes, you know? Yeah.
0: Um.
1: And I, and I think, Part of it is that, you know, I I think he he can't escape being a human rights lawyer, (laughs) you know, like uh, it is so much the framework through which he sees things and he thinks about things. And so I do think, um, you know, tracking his writings and following his writings over a period of time, you do see him think more and more as a pastor and as a theologian. Um, a lot of his language of rights changes from, for example, the beginning of the book to the end of the book. Um, I mean, in the bit in one of the chapters in the first third, which is the House Church Manifesto, I think he he like directly says something about fighting for rights, and then you <laughs> end with my Declaration of Faithful Obedience, and he's making the exact opposite statement where he's saying I'm not fighting for personal rights. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think um, you're exactly right that it all comes down to the visibility of the church and his extremely deep belief that the only reason you fight for the visibility of the church is for the good of the society around it. And I think Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, he really believes that the church is the best gift that can be given to China. And one of the things, not only with Wang Yi, but with all of these pastors, is that um, they love China. They, they love their people. Um, they are not um, anti-China. Um, and they deeply desire to see healing and wholeness in Chinese society, which is very broken. Um, I I don't know that I've met any Chinese pastor who doesn't feel very broken and sorrowful over the state of Chinese society and just the the breakdown of trust and moral order. And so um, for them, it's it's not this you know abstract thing about you know preserving the church because it's an institution <laughs> that you know needs to be preserved or something they really believe that this is the best way they can love their cities and serve their cities is by and through the church. And so um, Wang Yi, at one point in the book, he says very clearly that the reason persecution of the church um, is an evil, is not because of the people that it's hurting, you know, in terms of the Christians, because he basically says all Christians are called to walk the, the uh, way of the cross with Jesus. So it's not about whether Christians are suffering or not. The problem with persecuting the church is that it limits those who do not yet believe from hearing the truth of Christ. And, um, I think that if you're going to boil anything down, you know, if you're going to boil it all down to kind of the, the just one idea that, um, puts fire in Wang Yi's belly and keeps him going at that, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, um, the re- the reason not to submit to the governing authorities, the reason not to participate in the three self movement, the reason not to, um, uh, you know, remain private in his faith is all because he is so committed to serving his city and the people of China um, through the church and through the gospel.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I, 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 this is, this is not necessarily a contrast, but how he expresses his love for the city is kind of interesting because I think this is when he's talking to Christians, maybe in the United States, um and he's uh and chinese people who may uh the chinese mission conference in baltimore because mm, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, at the end he he says this thing and i was really kind of taken aback on 141 he says do you think god would send a person in love with roman culture to be an ambassador to rome uh faith is turning to god with despair in this world <laughs> um and he so like i i don't mean to but like I don't mean to contradict what you just said, but no, yeah. it is a it's a complicated way that he expresses his concern for China because you're right. I think he he does want to see the um, the gospel spread, and he does think that. But yeah, but he's he's not like he does not, he, you know, he's unflinching in his criticism. Well, yes, for um, sure,
1: it, his yeah. love for China in no way. <laughs> uh utilizes rose colored glasses yeah. f- on China you know and so i think he um when i say that he loves china um i really mean in he he wants to see a, a better china you know he yeah. he wants to see healing and wholeness there um and but he's he definitely is willing to criticize it and definitely feels a lot of despair over it. um, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, it was just really taken aback because I was just thinking like when I was a kid you know, the missionaries would come to our church or something, they would talk about their love uh, for that place. And, and, you know, it's so different, though, when you're, you know, when you're Wang Yi, when it's your people, too, I feel like. Yeah. Like if I'm a missionary, if I were to go to China, it'd be a really different proposition uh, than if a native yeah. born Chinese legal scholar, you know, his way of. Expressing that has to be very different.
1: I think one of the most important passages in the book for understanding Wang Yi's perspective on this is um, it's called something in the landfill. <laughs> it's oh, yeah, me yeah. All of a sudden. But um, I refer to this a lot when talking and writing about Wang Yi. He has this passage in which um, he essentially describes the world as as a sinking ship, yeah. and um, but a sinking ship that has you know this orchestra playing on it, and he asks the question: um, if the orchestra realizes that the ship is sinking, you know, what is it supposed to do? Like, does it is it supposed to jump ship? Is it supposed to just stop playing? And he basically says, no, the orchestra is supposed to play its heart out as the ship sinks. And Uh, um, that's such a great uh, description of his view of the world and um, what the presence of the church in the world is. In that same essay, he talks about a a master ballet dancer um, dancing in the midst of a landfill and how and and he basically says um the landfill doesn't take away from the beauty of the dance if anything it enhances the beauty of the dance um because of the contrast you know and so i think that um that describes his his relationship with china in many ways you know he um he is so fierce in calling it out, and so um, willing and and desirous to criticize it. I think because um, he sees something more beautiful that he wants to see played out
0: <laughs> across. Yeah. Channels, so. Yeah, my my, I underlined and and marked this uh, on that landfill section, and and I also, you know, at the beginning you said that he was a poet, and you know, sometimes like I, I would at least call this a poetic image, um, oh, yeah. and, and so I you know I don't know I don't know about Chinese poetry at all, uh, but but at least the image felt like someone who could, could you know the dancing uh, that you were just saying, but also he says on one seventy that Jesus Christ, uh. Or this is what is amazing about the gospel. Jesus came to the landfill and gave the landfill meaning. Yeah. Um, another way of you know just going back to that landfill image, but but yeah, uh, it's a it's a very um, it, again sort of jolting image, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. calling the world a landfill. You're kind of going, whoa. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I also think it's interesting. This is again also though why I would love to have uh, like a Kuiper scholar um, interact with him just because I, you know, I, I grew up in the reform tradition, um, you know, very much in the, in the war, in the, you know, tradition of, you know, um, you know, the world is, is created good and it's fallen, but it's good. And, you know, we redeem it. And, and so, and, and, and not to say that Wang Yi's perspective is necessarily contradicting that, but I do think, um this is an area in which he doesn't fit neatly into categories <laughs> you know you yeah. I don't think you're gonna hear a whole lot of uh traditional European reform thinkers calling the world the land a landfill <laughs> you know yeah. so, um uh he's melding together a lot of different perspectives and ideas, and um i I'm hopeful that there will be some interesting interaction with his work from different perspectives as well.
0: Yeah. Well, the last thing that I wanted to ask you about, um, is, uh, the, the, his kind of posture towards persecution. And this comes up, you know, he writes about this in a few different places, but early on, he says, thanks be to God in recent years, urban church house churches are still experiencing intermittent persecutions. Um, and like throughout he, he the book, he basically, I mean, You know, you don't ever want to say that he like wants to be persecuted, like, you know, I mean, going all the way back to uh, to um, the martyrdom of Polycarp, uh, Christians have said it's not our job to seek martyrdom, uh, but to be ready when it comes. Um, But, you know, he he is almost straddling that line of like, he thinks that persecutions are in a way necessary, I guess, to to, again, maybe for the visibility of the church, uh, maybe for just to see how uh, intense they're being persecuted by the the CCP, these sorts of things. But yeah, I I found that like, you know, could you say a little bit about uh, his understanding of persecution and why that's, you know, it's not just rejoicing when it happens, but like it it seems to take it a step, step further.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This has been, you know, just even for me personally, probably one of the most challenging things to uh, think through, but I will say this is not unique to Wang Yi. Um, This is, you know, going back to earlier in our conversation, this is this is a very common perspective among house church pastors um, that persecution in some way is a gift to the church, and I have I have heard them use that those exact words that the persecution is a gift to the church. And you know, as an as an American Christian, just everything in me uh, reacts to that um, and just wants to say no that's not the case um the church does best when it is free and flourishing um but that is very much not what the house church's perspective is and i think there are two probably i think there are two kind of key reasons for that um The first is that they really believe that persecution is a time of purification for the church, um, that it is a time when um, God purifies the church and those who are, um, you know, uh, committed remain and those who are not depart. Um, The other thing is and this is a very big theme in Wang Yu's writing too, is that um, persecution is an apologetic moment. And so mm-hmm. persecution is a time for the church to um, show the world what the gospel actually is. Um, and I think that often, uh, you know, brings to mind a lot of the early churches, uh, you know, kind of perspectives on, you um, you know, when you are persecuted, this is an opportunity to speak the gospel to the powers that be. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, just that kind of idea of, of apologetics as your defense before um, the emperor of uh, the faith and what you believe. And the house church very much leans into that idea. And so not only Wang Yi, but um, so many of the house church pastors that I know, um, they talk about their arrests or their times in jail as times to um, speak the gospel um, to the authorities that are, are persecuting them. Not only that, but they also talk about it as a time to preach the gospel um, to parts of Chinese society that they might not usually have access to you know the house churches today are um especially in the cities very middle class um kind of similar to you know what we deal with in the western world um and uh they often can struggle to know how to bring the gospel and the hope of the gospel to um migrant workers or those who are, you know, criminal offenders. And so um, they really are, they lean into time in jail as a time to preach the gospel to um, the people who are incarcerated with them. (laughs) And I've heard many, many stories of um, people using that time to preach the gospel to you know, drug dealers or um, thieves or um, all sorts of different people that they may not encounter on the street um, in a Chinese suburb. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I, so I think that you know these are the things that are behind this idea that persecution is good for the church. Um, I think you can only say that when you really uh, have an understanding of our union with Christ and, um, you know, both that because we're, um, united to Christ, we share in his sufferings, but also, um, the power that we receive through that, you know, it's not a light. They don't say it lightly (laughs) when they say that persecution is for the church. They know what they're talking about and, um, they have counted the stakes, um, you know, and, uh, are, are committed despite them. So.
0: Yeah. It, it, uh, one, uh, I want to end with, uh, how you think like Wang Yi and and maybe even just your own, uh, uh, perspective, you know, what, what Christians can learn from this, uh, from Wang Yi and from the, the house churches. But it also strikes me that, um, at one point he he reads a lot from the second half of acts and paul's trials and paul's persecutions mm-hmm. and uh it's it always it's kind of interesting to me uh, I, th- I think I first learned this from Andrew Walls, but he said when he went to Sierra Leone, he realized that uh, the book of Acts was more powerful there. And I think he kind of meant the power of the Spirit and some of the early parts of Acts. And and uh, Walls' perspective was that the Scottish Presbyterians were sort of overly concerned about what was going on in Romans and never mm-hmm. thought about Acts. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But, but we see in a different way here for Wang Yi, we see a Presbyterian, a reform person saying, hey, look, I'm going to, you know, like I see God. Speaking in this part of the book, that frankly I can never quite remember what happens in the second half of Acts. <laughs> yeah, um, but but for him, that's the that like that is where God speaks the loudest because you know he understands that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think in terms of what we can learn from them or take away from them, um, I mean, there's a lot. I think the main thing is. Um, To reflect for ourselves on where our ultimate allegiances lie. You know, I think mm. that's something all people struggle with wherever you find yourself. You know, whether it's in a very severe context like China and the CCP, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, middle class comfortable life in North America, um, we are all have things that are competing for our ultimate loyalty, you know, and our top love. And, um, I think the, the really big message from Wang Yi and the house churches across China is that, um, you you, only, only Christ can take that place, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, not that everything becomes clear when that's the case. There's obviously a lot that is still confusing and unclear in life. But um, I think it is a, a big idea that we struggle to remember in the U.S. often. And um, so, you know, we don't ha- you don't have to be in a context of persecution um, to feel the pressures of life and society um to to woo your top allegiance to to somewhere else, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think anyone here in the US is facing anything like Huang has faced. But I do think we all have times where we have to ask ourselves where our loyalties lie and remain faithful um in those situations. So yeah, I think for me that's probably the the main takeaway.
0: All right. Well, uh, Hannah Nation, I just want to thank you for taking some more time to talk with me. I've learned so much from you and from uh, this book. So appreciate your work and putting it together. Um, and to Ivy Press for, for 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 publishing it and getting a copy to me, I guess. I don't know. When does it actually launch? Uh, we're at the yeah, end of November. So, here, so.
1: Yeah, it launches next week. <laughs> um, okay. So it launches December 6th. Um, we're really excited. The anniversary of his arrest is December 9th. and okay. so we wanted to time the release to be um, close in time to the anniversary of his arrest. So um, you can pre-order it, you know, before then. But just starting December sixth, it'll be out there for everyone.